Hello, Harry Brooke here, agriculture fieldman for Flagstaff County. And today we are talking to Sherry Clare, who is a wetland ecologist with Fiera Biologicals. And she's going to be talking to us about some of the benefits of leaving wetlands and the vegetation around wetlands, which you might not have thought about. It's not all about increasing your acreage or increasing field efficiency. There's a lot going on there that most people don't know about. You're listening to the official podcast of Flagstaff County. So Sherry, take it away. Thanks, Harry. I'm really happy to be here to uh, tell you a little bit about some of the work that we've done looking at the question around whether or not draining wetlands and agricultural fields yields the, the profits that producers might think that they get out of, of that particular practice. Yes, uh, I saw an article, there was an article in the Western Producer this spring that also dealt with uh, the topic. We'll talk about that later, though. Please go on. Sure. So one of the the things that I hear a lot in my career um, as a biologist, we do a lot of work with producers or in association with producers or, or organizations that work with producers. And one of the, the stories that we hear a lot is that producers drain wetlands in agricultural fields because they get a profit from doing that. And that was something that I got really curious about because I wondered mm -hmm. whether or not someone had had actually measured the profitability associated with, with wetland drainage. And so uh, we got some money from Alberta NAWAMP and the Alberta Conservation Association, some funding to engage with some producers in Camrose County to actually go out and measure crop productivity within drained wetland basins um, and we worked with the producers to get information about all of their input costs. And we got data from their precision agricultural equipment that gave us information about the production. And we compared the input costs and their production within the drain basins to actually calculate whether or not mm -hmm. they made a profit draining those basins or whether or not they were losing money in those basins. And essentially the, the findings that, that we gathered, so it was a, a single year of data. We did the work in 2019 and we found that the, the range of profit was highly variable in, in the drain basins. But on average, the profit that producers were getting from the drain basins was much lower than what they considered a, a good profit. So producers told us these were all fields that they were growing canola. Mm -hmm. um, and they had told us that, you know, $100 an acre was what they considered to be a pretty good profit, profit margin. Mm -hmm. margin. Yeah. And so on average, the, the drain basins that we measured were, were getting about $76 per acre. So below the benchmark. That, that was the average though, right? That was what the average. Was, what yeah. was the range? So some of the basins, the we were seeing losses of about $145 an acre. And, uh -huh. and some of the basins, they were they were getting much higher profits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, $500 an acre. 
so there, so there was an immense range of uh, profit and loss in those basins. But when you sort of looked at on average across the field, some of the producers, their average profits were, they were losing money. Yeah. Yeah. So was there any factors in particular that seemed to make it profitable or not that you could isolate? Yeah, I think, you know, the interesting thing about well and drainage and producers, you know, if you talk to them, they already know this about their field. Some of the basins, I mean, well and basins really vary in terms of their size and also their depth. And so Mm -hmm. draining a basin is actually can be really difficult if the basin is is large and deep. And so the effectiveness of the drainage and probably maintenance associated with maintaining the drainage ditch probably has a lot to do with how effectively those basins are being drained. And so I think, you know, shallower basins, smaller, shallower basins, um, we were seeing higher productivity and profit in those basins, but larger basins that are incompletely drained, even though there is drainage Mm -hmm. drainage ditch associated with that some of those basins aren't as effective in terms of the the drainage. And I think that's probably, I don't know for sure, but I think that's probably a a cost and maintenance thing for producers. Well, well. you have to, that also brings up another issue, which is the whole legality of drainage, because you're not allowed to drain water off your land unless you're part of a drainage uh, district. And those ones were established back in the 1920s. So it's uh, some of what's been going on, not exactly uh, legal. That's, that's true. So in Alberta, we have the, oh, the Water Act, which under the Water Act, all water is vested mm-hmm. in the crown. So, right. so that shore means, is yeah. basically crown land if it's permanent body of water. Yeah, which means that if you want to drain a wetland, Technically speaking, you need approval from the provincial government to be doing that. And I think a lot of producers don't because the the, the wetlands are on their property. There's confusion about property rights. I think Mm -hmm. there's an assumption that if the wetland is on their property, that there's a private property right. And and there's the the power is is with the the private landowner to make decisions about how to manage that water, water. But in reality and under the law, a permit is required. Right. Yeah. And the real question then becomes, is this an ephemeral wetland or is this permanent? Mm-hmm. And well, it takes a lot, a lot of time and probably money to determine that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So I find it interesting that there was some big losses and some, um, did you see any, uh, salinity issues that might have arose due to the fact that they had been trying to get rid of the vegetation around these wetlands? Not for these particular producers. We worked with three producers in in four different um, fields, but I know that salinity is a really big issue for a lot of producers. And I think increasingly so as as we're seeing big changes in, in climate and drier conditions, when wetland basins are drained, a lot of them, if they're wetlands where there's discharge from right. groundwater, in those locations, producers are, are seeing a lot of issues with increasing salinity, which then, you know, over the longer term, the, the 
maybe in the first couple of years after drainage, there may have been improvement or an increase in productivity, but through mm -hmm. time, that Declined. decision, yeah, the decision to drain may actually have a, a real negative effect, not just within the basin itself, but those salinity issues can also sort of extend beyond the basin. I've been noticing that, uh, especially in this county, there's areas where we have quite a lot of salinity showing up, usually around low wetland areas. And I've also noticed that they've been gradually creeping out. And the yeah. problem with salinity, or one of the solutions is get something permanent growing in that area to keep those salts below the surface of the soil. Because mm -hmm. it's that having bare soil and, and evaporation that brings the salts up. Yeah. And here we are, we've got people that putting in annual crops, you know, taking out all the trees, taking out the bush and the low areas, maybe draining it. And they are setting themselves up for a prime problem. And the, the problem with that salinity is every year it gets bigger and bigger. So you continue to lose more and more acreage and it becomes either less productive or it gets bad enough that nothing will grow on it. Yeah. And then you've really got a situation on your hands. Yeah, and that's, that's a real problem. Once the salinity gets too high, nothing will grow. And it's really hard to then, <clears throat> excuse me, reclaim those areas. So, yeah. so you've, you've lost them to crop production. But, but even then, trying to get anything to grow on them becomes a real issue. Yeah, And uh, what I mentioned a little earlier was that uh, article that was in Western Producer, where there had been some other biologists looking at the uh, ecological benefits of leaving an area around your wetlands. And they were finding that uh, their homes, because it's a diverse community of plants, you get a lot more pollinators. And especially in canola, there is a significant benefit to having pollinators in the fields. If you look at the seed production from like bear or whatever, they pay people to put uh, beehives, both leafcutter bees as well as honeybees in their fields because there is a distinct benefit within about 100 meters of those hives. Or same thing applies to those wetland areas where they've left the grass and other plants or trees. They do find significant benefits within 100 meters of that into the field in yield production. So it's but people don't seem to be aware of that. Yeah, I, I think it's really difficult sometimes for us to really understand um, th these types of services that ecosystems provide because they're mm -hmm. not Im immediately apparent to us. Yes. And I think, you know, that's, that's really different from, you know, if we drain a well and we can immediately see the, the additional acres that become available. And so it's... It, cognitively for humans it's really easy for us to make the connection between you know if the if the water is not sitting there and I drain it off I now have x number of acres available yeah. additional acres available and so it's really easy for us to understand that kind of um, what seems to be an apparent benefit the flip side of that though is that it's it's more difficult for us to see and measure these these sort of right. indirect benefits like, like you just talked about the, the pollination benefit i think wetlands retaining wetlands in agricultural fields also have a lot of benefits in terms of soil moisture 
productivity around surrounding wetland basins, once you're sort of outside the area where mm-hmm. we see annual water fluctuations, because you know that right. can be that can be a bit of an issue because you know crops do flood out some years, but but in in areas surrounding the wetland where the water levels are more stable, we get better soil moisture. Um, the soil productivity is likely better because we get nutrients right. from, from the wetlands, all of those sorts of things. And it's, unless we're going out and actually measuring those things and trying to understand and, and put a dollar value on those benefits, it's really hard for producers to see the actual benefit of, yeah. of retaining wetlands. And so I think that's, that's why research you know, the work that we did and the work of others looking at the benefits of pollination, it's, it's really important work because now we can go to producers and say, you know, in the case of our work, we actually have mm-hmm. map, maps of quarter sections where we can show them which basins they lost money in. Yeah. And then we can say to them, you know, this basin, we know that part of the reason why producers drain, you know, increasing acreage is one thing, but operational efficiency is another reason for drainage. So certainly I would think that once we have a map of a quarter section and we understand which basins regularly underperform, I guess, or or we're consistently losing money. Non-profitable, yes. Yeah, not profitable. If those are in locations within the field that if we were to restore that wetland, if there wasn't a huge impact on operational efficiency, maybe there's a win-win opportunity in, yes. in terms of restoring, especially if there are financial incentives outside of not losing money mm-hmm. <laughs> to put, put the wetlands back on the landscape. Could you tell me a little bit more about the wetland replacement or re- wetland reestablishment program that you're involved with? Because this sort of feeds into it. Yeah, absolutely. here's the reasoning behind it. And here's what's available if a person was interested. Yeah. So here in Alberta, we have a, a wetland policy that says if you drain or remove a wetland off the landscape, the government requires compensation or replacement of that mm-hmm. habitat. And so the, the government has been collecting money into a restoration fund for, uh, for some number of years. Um, and so we have a pot of money available through the provincial government to fund wetland restoration projects. And the idea behind that is that money exists because we've lost wetlands somewhere mm-hmm. in the province. And so municipalities like Flagstaff County can now go to the provincial government and ask to access that restoration money mm-hmm. to get that money to start restoring wetlands within Flagstaff County to to start putting back those benefits that we've lost off the landscape. So producers can be involved in restoration programs through Flagstaff County by, you know, basically identifying wetlands that have been drained, that they're interested in putting back. And typically that, that involves putting a ditch plug in if there's a ditch that drains the wetland, it's it's simply putting the ditch plug back in and restoring the water back into that basin. And for a lot of wetlands, once you restore that hydrology, the plants come back, the animal life comes back, all of the things, all the wetland functions come back um, over over a period of time. And and so increasingly, a lot of municipalities are are trying to engage with 
agricultural producers because a lot of the wetlands that we've lost historically are in agricultural landscapes. And, there, and there's lots of opportunities for us to restore wetlands in those landscapes. Yeah, just there's more benefits than people are aware of. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add about this? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as a wetland ecologist, I, I really love wetlands. I think they're really special and magical places. And, and I think that historically we, we've sort of, especially in, in Alberta, in, in agricultural landscapes, they've sort of been seen a little bit as the enemy of, of agricultural production. And, and I think that yeah. I'd really like to, to try and, you know, start to have com more positive conversations with producers because I, I understand why wetlands are, are sort of targets on the landscape for producers because they're in the way and they make production difficult. But mm -hmm. I think that there are opportunities, win-win opportunities out right. there for, for us to start maybe thinking a little bit differently about how, if we're more strategic about where the wetlands are within um, our fields, mm -hmm. there are benefits for producers by putting those wetlands back. There's also benefits greater benefits to society. And I think that, you know, if we start thinking a little bit more strategically and critically about how we might be able to support producers and incentivize producers, mm -hmm. that I think we'll get a lot further in the discussion and, and hopefully have more producers who are interested and willing to, to step forward to restore wetlands in their, in their agricultural fields. That brought something to my mind, which is we've seen the technology now where they talk about like square foot farming, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can actually have variable rate for this, that, and the other thing. So how easy would it be for a producer to actually determine what areas of his field would be best suited for being put back into a wetland? So, I mean, I think, Harry, because we have so much on-farm technology right now, it's actually mm -hmm. really easy for producers to, to ask and answer this question. So the, the majority of the data that we use to look at the profitability of draining wetlands was all data that the producers provided to us from their equipment. Okay. And we were able to take that precision agricultural data and actually create maps at a pretty fine resolution in terms of, you know, the area that we were mapping in the field. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I also think, you know, outside of having that data, producers really know their fields. And they, yeah. they you know, when we, when we showed producers the maps that we created, basically they said, you know. They the kind of knew it already. They knew, they knew. So in their guts. Yeah, the map already confirmed what they knew and understood right. about their fields. And so, you know, we're not telling producers anything that they don't already know, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think that having the map becomes a really useful tool for planning, a tool for really understanding, again, how we might strategize and create a, a you know, a quarter section specific plan for wetland management in a way mm -hmm. that that really minimizes how disruptive the, 
a wetland restoration might be for for that particular producer. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's possible, but I think we need to start having more individual conversations with producers where we're really starting to get into the details about what's happening in that quarter section. I think a lot of the conversations we have right now are a little bit too high level. We maybe don't have the right kinds of detailed information to start making really good decisions. But we're um, getting there, aren't we? With we the are technology. getting there. Absolutely. Yep. And I think if producers are willing to, you know, bring that data forward and have uh, you know, work with people who can help translate that information into usable data that we can use to help support better decision making, then, then I think we're in a really good position to be able to do that. It would be really nice if the public at large, or I could say our politicians, would understand the value of the ecological benefits and that there could be some way that they could be recognized to producers who are doing it the right way and promoting those benefits. Because yeah. that's been the biggest problem I see, like the whole carbon tax issue too, right? There's farmers doing really good jobs. Yeah. But um, it's kind of like, peeing yourself in a dark suit you get that warm feeling but nobody notices <laughs> yeah I agree I mean I've had a lot of conversations with producers who you know who have retained wetlands yeah on, as part of their um, operations and and they always express frustration that we have programs where we can get money to pay farmers to right. restore but we don't have a lot of resources to be able to actually you know, pay or or acknowledge the good work of producers who are, right. who are doing a really good job of already managing their operations and, and keeping tree stands and wetlands on the landscape. And so I agree with that. I think we really do have to start advancing the conversation, not just not just focusing on restoration, although restoration mm -hmm. is is really important, you but bet. also also acknowledging the good work of folks who are conserving important habitats because you know we know especially wetland ecologists know this while restoring wetlands is a relatively you know I, I talked about putting in the ditch plug bringing the hydrology back mm -hmm. it's not rocket science it's not a really difficult thing to do but we do know because we measure these things that restored wetlands take you know a really long time to function properly or at their yeah. full full operational level right yeah it's a gradual I, process but it's instantaneous almost at removing it right and and so keeping good functioning wetlands is much cheaper in the longer mm -hmm. term because when we restore it's expensive and we also don't ever get back the full function that we want in restored wetlands so acknowledging the importance of conservation and rewarding people who are good stewards, I think, is, a, is something that we're going to have to start having bigger conversations around that. Yeah, it's an issue that's been bothering me for some time that there's, you get, whether you do a really good job at managing the, at the conservation aspects and the, the social benefits of your landscape, or whether you don't and you just go for the gusto and see how much money you can make. Mm -hmm. There's no difference. There's no recognition. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, I would like to think that maybe increasingly we're going to have some, you know, certification of products that acknowledges yeah. this type of producer activity. But but again, and I think we're getting there. I think we're starting to see programs like that. But but I think um, it's a slow process, isn't it? It is a slow process. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Sherry. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And we all have hopes for the future, right? Absolutely. Thanks, Let's Gary. see things. Thank you. I'll uh, just unless you have any final last words. No, thanks okay. a lot. I enjoyed it. Thank you. So did I. Oops, where do I go? Here we are.